Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Softbot Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, hello. My name is Jeff Spinks. I'm a senior professor at the University of Wollongong in Australia. Could you please tell us about uh, your research in soft robotics? Yeah, my work in soft robotics focuses mostly on the area of soft actuators. So what we're interested in doing is is providing the movement that's important for all robotic systems. And obviously, soft robotic needs a, a soft actuator or a soft motor. So, so our research is all about trying to produce materials or systems that can generate displacements and movements and we, we're really trying, our aim really is to try and produce a material or system that can mimic a natural muscle and so we call these systems that we're developing bionic artificial muscles. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask more about here about uh, the material that you have used in research because it's, it's like a, a uh, phenomenal paper about artificial muscle and the mechanical performance have been already achieved in this paper. But I would like to ask you before that, what do you think about the material itself, like designing a smart material like any conductive polymer? And as far as we know, there is limitation in terms of the mechanical performance. So what do you think about this limitation in the smart material we have like any conductive polymer? And what is it, could be a good alternative? Um, for it designing artificial muscles? Yeah, look, for designing artificial muscles, there's, there's a lot of uh, performance requirements that you're trying to generate simultaneously. And that's a big challenge. And it's an ongoing challenge, really. We haven't really got the ideal material as of yet, so it's a, a, still an active area of research. Now, we started looking at uh, ionic-based electroactive polymer, artificial muscles. So these were uh, conjugated polymers like polypyrrole and polyaniline, and they operate by electrochemically charging and discharging the polymer, much like we charge and discharge a battery. And in doing so, we encourage ions to move in or out of the polymer, and that causes a, a volume change, and that volume change can then be used as an as an artificial muscle. Now this system uh, works okay, uh, and uh, there are some uh, nice applications, but it also has some limitations. Uh, one main limitation is that it requires an electrolyte to work, and that electrolyte work well. The, the muscles work best when we use a liquid electrolyte. Now that of course means we need some sort of packaging. We need to contain the liquid. And that packaging can be a, a problem in being uh, too bulky or too rigid for for application in many soft robotic areas. So uh, in recent times, we've moved away from the ionically driven artificial muscles. And we, uh, in recent years, have been looking at uh, quite a different mechanism where we've been using ordinary polymer fibres like 
polyester, polyethylene, nylon, and all sorts of ordinary polymer fibers. And we've been able to produce artificial muscles from these fibers that are operated by heat. So by heating them up and cooling them down, we're able to get large contractions and expansions. And this is achieved by twisting and coiling the fiber into a spring-like structure. And they work really well. Mm-hmm. So what could be the potential application behind uh, ionic conduct bonding? Because still we have limitation in terms of the force and stuff. So how you could foresee how we can have it in our real life? Do you think it's ready in a couple of years? Or because still, still, business limitation, we have to enhance the force or mechanical performance. Do you, do you think we can use it in a couple of years as a real application in soft robotics? Yeah, look, I think that the applications uh, or the materials are, are going to be targeted to specific applications. So I don't think we're going to have one artificial muscle that's going to meet all the different application areas. Hmm. So, for example, if we look at uh, ionic type artificial muscles, the ones that work by electrochemical charging and discharging, I think they are nicely suited to areas where we're looking for for miniature, uh, very small actuators, so in, in micro-mechanical systems, and also where they need to operate in fluids. So the fluid then can be also be used as the electrolyte to, to operate the artificial muscle. And one potentially really interesting area is in microactuators to be used in biological situations. Mm. So they may be used for tissue culture to stimulate uh, cells to, to grow and pro- proliferate into functioning tissue, or even inside the body where you have a liquid electrolyte uh, medium already available. And, and so then the actuator can operate happily in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I would like to ask you why you choose to work with robotics and when and how you became interested in this area? Yeah, look, my interest in, in soft robotics goes back a long time before we'd even started calling it soft robotics. So I've been interested in artificial muscles for, well, right back into the 1990s. Mm. Uh, that's when we first started looking at it. It was really actually a hobby project. It was just something that looked like fun and, and, and challenging, so fun and challenging. And I was able to have a, some undergraduate students starting to look at making artificial muscles and, and starting to characterize them. And we, you know, we gradually started to, to build up some momentum. And actually nowadays it's my mainstream research interest. So it's, it's been an interesting journey. It's gone from something that was more or less a hobby, a side interest to something that's now front and center and something that I'm doing every day. So what are the current challenges that you would like to solve in terms of your research you have been doing already? What's the challenge that you face? The, yeah, the main challenge for the area that I'm interested in, which is the soft actuators, is to produce a soft actuator artificial muscle that can match or exceed the performance of natural muscle. And that's a big challenge that we haven't yet solved. You, if you look at what natural muscle can do, and that includes very large movements, which are quite fast and they're efficient. They're efficient in terms of energy conversion. Mm-hmm. They operate silently 
and at room temperature and safely. Mm. They self-repair and they have all these wonderful characteristics that we haven't yet been able to replicate in one single material system. And we have many artificial muscles that work really well and some produce large movements and are fast and efficient, but they have other limitations. They, are, they maybe require uh, very high electric voltages to operate or very high temperatures to operate and um, maybe they don't last very long. Certainly none of them really have the ability to self-repair. So we're still searching for that ideal material that can match all the, the characteristics of natural muscle. And, and that's, there's been a lot of progress, but there's still a little way to go. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask you in the long run, do you think that the self-politics community should focus on designing a smart material like uh, any conductive warmer as this category or just controlling uh, soft robotics in terms of using passive material. Mm. So there's two as terms of embodied intelligence. So I don't know what do you think what should be the route in the next few years that's focusing on designing smart material and understanding them and improving the performance or just designing a controller algorithm for controlling uh, passive soft material? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question about whether we put all our efforts into designing and developing materials or do we focus on the control algorithms and applications. And from my observation, there's almost a linear progression from one to the other, but that happens sort of in waves. So is, is it a new material is developed and is described and its properties are promoted and it becomes available, I've noticed then it tends to attract the interest of the more engineering and modelling community who can then start to look at applications. And as, as soon as they're really interested in, in real applications and the control issue becomes dominant, and I think that goes in waves. So as one sort of new artificial muscle material comes along, it goes through that progression and then perhaps another material pops up and it also goes through that same process. So I don't think it's either or. I think both of those things must go, uh, must happen before we can get any useful technology from these devices. Mm -hmm. So what is the most interesting project you are currently involved in soft robotics? The most interesting project, the one that, that's most challenging right now for, for my group is and my collaborators is to take these artificial muscles that we described a couple of years ago and make them more efficient and also more uh, user-friendly. So we can make really nice artificial muscles from ordinary polymer fibres simply by twisting and coiling these fibres. The current operation requires those fibers to be heated to fairly high temperatures, certainly plus 100 degrees C and maybe even higher for the best performance. And if we reduce the temperature, for example, if we want to have these, these artificial muscles in contact with a, a human on the skin or even internally, then obviously we've got to reduce the temperature dramatically. At the moment, if we use lower temperatures, then 
we get poorer performance. We don't get the large movements or the large forces. So we're currently focused on ways in which we can overcome that limitation. We want to uh, produce these similar types of twisted and coiled uh, fibres, but have them operate at lower temperatures and ultimately that hopefully will also produce more efficient actuators. We want to try and make sure that the energy in to energy out is as high as possible. Mm -hmm. So soft robotics has entered certainly the field, so how we can overcome the challenges of speaking different languages from material science, control expert and electric engineering? Do you think it is still challenging for understanding each other in soft robotics community? Oh, no doubt that when you get different disciplines together, it creates challenges. Mm. Uh, and that's something that I'm involved with every day here at the University of Wollongong. I'm involved with an um, interdisciplinary research program where we, we get researchers from very different areas to come together and work on, on projects. And it's certainly a, an issue for the development of technology like soft robotics because we need the input of lots of different specialists. And I think the secret really is, is through uh, communication and, and coming up with a, a, a common language or at least understanding our different uh, nomenclature and, and language that we use. That takes some time and, and some persistence. And it only happens by getting people together spending time and devoting that time to really understanding what is needed and how everyone can contribute and sharing knowledge. So it takes real patience and persistence for it to happen. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the most promising project has done so far by other research groups in self-robotics? Uh, yeah, look, there's been a, obviously a lot of great work and, and it's, it's really terrific to see just how it's developing and, and developing so rapidly. I think the, the, my personal preference in terms of you know, what I really am impressed by are those uh, applications for soft robotics. So it's, it's taking the, well, in particular, I'm interested in soft robotics that use artificial muscles. Mm -hmm. And I'm particularly interested in, in that work where the artificial muscle has been incorporated into some sort of compliant robot system and it's all on board you know there are many examples you know we've done a lot ourselves where the movement of the robot is all driven by something that's off board you know it's something like a press a, a pump or a compressor connected to the robot with hydraulic or pneumatic tubes and that's great that's that's okay. But in many other cases, for example, if we want to have a wearable robotic system, mm -hmm. everything's got to be on board. It's got to be soft, lightweight, and comfortable. And, and you know, that, I, that's a challenge, but you know, we've seen some progress. So for example, uh, Connor Walsh's work at Harvard, mm -hmm. where he's been putting soft exosuits on people. Yeah. I, I'm very impressed by, by that work. Or, Minoru Hashimoto from Shinju University in, in Japan has, has also been putting artificial muscles on the lower limbs of people and, and testing to see the, the effect. So they're, you know, they're real challenges to be able to, mm -hmm. to, to actually develop the technology to that level where it's safe enough 
to actually strap on a person and see what it does. Mm -hmm. So, what are the most challenges problem that could face soft robotics in the long run? So, do you have any thoughts about what could be the challenging? Because if we you highlighted about using pneumatic for actuations of facial muscle, and I think this is also challenging to be reduced, to be light and import. So, what other challenges do you think that could face soft robotics? Yeah, look, the challenges are actually many. I, I think there's obviously a lot of technical challenges, mm -hmm. and the one that we're focusing on is is to build a, a motor system that can be embedded in the soft robot and that motor should be soft itself, it should be efficient, it should not be hazardous if, for, for you know, people who are in the vicinity. You know, soft robotics are advantages that they are safe to use in contact or near humans. So, so that means the, the motor drive system has to meet those requirements. And, so there's a big technical challenge in, in producing artificial muscles to do that. But beyond the technical challenge, you know, there, there are other things we have to be aware of. We have to also be always conscious of how the end user perceives yeah. what we're trying to develop. That's so if we were yeah. trying to make, for example, a wearable suit to help the elderly to, to walk or move, then we have to really involve those end users right from the beginning of the project mm. and the development so that we, we uh, achieve acceptance and we develop it in a, in a way that will be acceptable. And, and thirdly, all technology must be commercially viable. Mm. There's, there's no technology that isn't available on a mass distributed basis unless there are businesses who are able to make it a commercially viable product. So we have to also be conscious of the commercial reality and, and that is that somebody has to make a profit from the development of these technologies. Mm, that's very interesting point uh, you highlighted and I think we, there's come up questions concerning this point. So mm -hmm. how do soft robotics would be in the future? Would be we have it in our homes and, and you highlight that the end user must be included in the loop and accept the technology. Mm -hmm. So, do you mm. have any ideas how will be the future if you think, if, okay, we will have it like something in the future, futuristic company? Yeah, look, I, I, I guess I have the dream that soft robotics will be something that will be in our homes, uh, hospitals and workplaces in the future. I, I think the, I, I think the short term or maybe medium term uh, application area that I see real promise for is in rehabilitation robots. So these would be uh, used at, in direct contact with uh, patients who are recovering from say surgery or, or injury and need assistance in, re, uh, in, in recovering movement, so the hands, the arms, the legs, walking and so on. Uh, this is something that usually occurs through intensive physiotherapy and that's a labor intensive process so if we can develop safe robotic systems that can help physiotherapists to treat patients then i can see that would be a real benefit and i can see that soft robotics have a real part to play there where we have comfortable conformable systems that are worn temporarily maybe for a few weeks or maybe even shorter time, just to help people regain mm. their, their, their normal functions. And 
Beyond that, well, you know, could we have systems that are worn permanently uh, for people who have difficulty in movement? Uh, look, that'd be wonderful. You know, there is a real need for that. And with continued development, the technology I said is a real possibility. So how do you see soft robotics in this sector? Do you think that soft robotics could have a room in industry? Because you highlighted that we have to commercialize what we have done so far. And, and I just was interested to know what do you think about soft robotics technology done so far? Could we really find a room in the industry? Yeah, industrial applications, I think, are also uh, something that's, that is a, is a real possibility. The uh, area of, you know, collaborative robots, uh, assistive robots in, in, um, in manufacturing setting really appeals. There is, there's also, you know, a lot of demands on of manual labour that still occurs throughout industry. So if we had soft robotic systems that can take the physical burden off the human, still allowing the human to, to function, but reduces the likelihood of fatigue or injury. I mean, that would have great application for industrial workers, for construction workers, defence personnel, first responders, uh, even uh, in a hospital setting for, for, for nursing staff. Those kind of systems, if they were available, I'm sure would be used uh, every day and would have long-term benefits for the health of the and well-being of, of the people who uh, have to perform those kind of tasks. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask here um, a question about, do you think that people should be afraid from soft robotics to be industry? For example, that Soft Robotics Inc. may have designed soft gripper for fruit picking or something. So... I you think that this could be really uh, take jobs from people, normal people, that to use to do this job? What do you think is this point? Yeah, that question gets to the, the issue about you know, how does technology influence the, the type of work that's available for, for people? And, and certainly for many hundreds of years, we've seen the, the replacement of humans with various different types of machines and, and machination. So, Soft robotics, if it were uh, introduced into any new industry, may have a short-term effect on the employment of, of people. It may displace people. Mm. But, you know, humans have had a, a wonderful history of, of resilience and adaptation. So I'm sure that if that were to happen, it would only have a temporary effect. The people would be redeployed in, in something that's, uh, say, less uh, onerous, less dangerous. And, and perhaps providing them with more meaningful employment. Mm -hmm. So I would like to start with the current collaboration you have done so far with other research groups in soft robotics. Is it ranging from academia or industry? Is there a collaboration? Yeah, we collaborate with both uh, industry and, and uh, academia. We've, we've got long-term, uh, really productive collaborations with Ray Bachman's group at University of Texas, Dallas, uh, uh, Sun Jong Kim at Hanyang University in Korea, Edwin Yeager at Linköping University of Sweden, and um, John Madden at University of British Columbia, Canada. We, you know, we have been really fortunate to work with those those people and their groups, and and that's that's really essential, I think, to be able to share ideas, 
collaborate and, and advance the, the, the field. Without their, their assistance, it'd be very hard to move forward. Uh, we also work with, with industry and we've had some applied projects where we've been making prototypes and evaluating them. And I, I think the real value in working with industry is that, is that they come with a specific uh, application and specific requirements and they're often very challenging to meet and they really focus attention. They really teach us what need, what is important, what areas we need to work on. So that's, again, I think an essential element in, in developing soft robotic technology and probably any technology. Mm -hmm. So you have already commercialized it as an artificial muscle already or just as a process? It's already commercialized it? The artificial muscle technology that involves twisting and coiling yeah. of polymer fibres is patented by the University of Texas Dallas, and I, I believe that they, they have entered into some commercial arrangements with, with some companies, but I don't know the specific details, but it's certainly uh, heading down the commercialisation track. Yeah. Okay. So what is the most professional achievement you are proud of in soft robotics, which is something that... Yeah. So what do you mean by professional achievement? Alan? Something you brought that you did what you think it's it's really great. You did already. Ah, uh, yeah. The, the, I guess there's a lot of those things. You you know you can look at your know, publications and yeah, that have been well received and, and and so on. But you know some of the I think the most exciting achievements are when we are interacting with the public, mm. school kids and. And, and just uh, at some, the many public lectures that we give, and, and you just see the reaction from the audience when they they are uh, exposed to these new ideas and these new technologies, and particularly when they see that it's accessible and uh, possibly not too far away, that they'll be seeing these in their everyday lives. I mean, I, I find that really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So, Mark is interested now in AI and becoming the driving force to change our life. Do you think we have to integrate it with soft robotics? So coming up with, we're coming up with new terminology like chevy changing activators. So what do you think about integrating AI and soft robotics? I think that's a terrific idea to integrate artificial intelligence and soft robotics and and even generating these entirely new new fields of, of interest. You know, I think the AI uh, is an area that is almost unstoppable in where it will develop into. And with soft robotics, we, we are always looking for ways to control the systems where one of the possible main attributes of soft robotics will be the ability to to adapt to different environments. And if that happens autonomously, then, you know, we're really onto something. So can we use AI as a, as a way to control the adaptation of a soft robotic system? Well, it, it seems like an exciting area to think about and, and maybe even to operate in. So let's see what happens. I, I think it's an exciting prospect. Mm -hmm. So you allowed that what really makes you uh, interested or just happy that when you see the reaction of the public. So the question now, how we can really engage in general public and soft robotics and 
tell them that okay this could be really interesting for our lives as future do you think how this could be done to be bilateral cooperation or between academia or labs and public or simple people outside academia yeah well look i think the best example i've seen of engaging the public in soft robotics was uh, by my PhD student here at University of Wollongong, Shabelle Talk. And Shabelle has, has done many uh, public presentations now. And he, what he he does to introduce soft robotics to a general audience is to use uh, Disney's Big Hero movie. Mm. And that, that involves mm -hmm. a really cute, cuddly, yeah. uh, sort of soft robotic system and, and who is who likes to care for people and, and you he uses images of of uh the close interaction between the, this animated robot and people and it shows you know you know in a subtle way but powerful way that these systems are friendly and helpful and could be a benefit to all of us and then he moves into well what do we need to do to produce a robot like Baymax in Big Hero. Mm. Uh, and then he moves into what he's been doing in terms of pneumatic soft grippers and, and sensors and so on. And I think that works really well. And it, I, I can see the audience can immediately engage mm. and understand what, what he's trying to do. That's very interesting. Yeah. So mm. do you think that we have integrated soft robotics in early childhood education? For instance, Elon Musk say that uh, he's saying that normal school isn't important, as uh, kids can get can go to that. What is the necessary tool like um, design using the wrench? Do you think? Do you agree with this philosophy that we have to make a school that teaches kids how to do soft robotics for certain applications? What do you think about this kind of thoughts? I think we learn a lot by doing. So if we can encourage everybody, this, this could be anyone who wants to learn something, if we can make things, if we can do things with our hands and our minds, then I think we appreciate more and more what is involved. So with my research group, for example, we spend a few hours every week where we sit together and we try and make things. And uh, we try, you know, they're usually involving artificial muscles. So we try to put together grippers or robot arms or something simple. And we, it's tremendously enjoyable to start with. But we, we already, uh, we start to see straight away the, the challenges. These are technical challenges that are not going to be published in any scientific paper, but they're things about, well, how do we make connections to this wire? And, and how do we uh, support this structure and how do we package things and what can we use here and there to get things done so that's from from my perspective i think that's a great philosophy to learn by uh, i think for schools it's it's really uh, important to capture interest mm -hmm. and soft robotics i think can do that i think robotics can do that i mean everybody loves robots and if we can have accessible robots uh, that not costly that people can make themselves and start to to play with then that's a great way to start getting attention and then when we get attention we can I think it's still important to work on the, the fundamentals you know the skills mm -hmm. around maths 
and science and communication. I, so, and I think schools are pretty good at those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, you know, we just need to make sure that those fundamentals are still taught properly yeah. and well. But if we can use cool technology like soft robotics to get the attention, then that's, that would be a win-win. Yeah, exactly. So what sparked your interest in engineering when you were undergrad, such as starting, okay, I will go through this field. And how will your previous studies equipped you to be leading research in soft robotics? Well, there's a simple answer to what got me involved with soft robotics, and that was just, it looked like fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, uh, when I, I saw some of these uh, artificial muscles being displayed at conferences uh, when I was a, well, still a PhD student, I thought that looks fantastic. And so it looked like fun. And then it, it was pretty obvious also it's quite challenging. So I, those two elements really got me hooked. It was a fun thing to do, important thing to do, but also challenging. And so that's why I started to get involved with it. Um, my, what previous studies? Well, interestingly, I, um, I sort of morphed. I, my original training was in chemistry, applied chemistry, polymer chemistry. And gradually I drifted more into mechanical engineering Mm-hmm. maybe even mechatronics or something like that. I, I wouldn't call myself an expert in those areas, but I've, I've really forced myself to, to learn those, uh, at least a, a working knowledge of those areas, because I think to develop artificial muscles, the chemistry and materials are obviously fundamental, mm. but without a good understanding of the mechanics, the control, well, you can't go very far. So. I'm always trying to learn something new, actually. That's interesting. So, have you ever designed something, like artificial muscle, you already designed something? Do, do you test it on a regular basis, just, uh, or do you have it something in your home that you already develop in the lab and using in regular daily basis? Yeah. You have something like that? I, I wish I did. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a goal. Yeah, I would have something at home. I, I tried out a prototype. We had a, uh, we did make a prototype using artificial muscles that was worn on the body. And uh, I did put it on and I have tried it and I did notice some effects, but it's a pretty delicate prototype. So it's, I wasn't allowed to take it home with me and use it every day. So uh, we're still working towards that one. Mm-hmm. So what is the most exciting part in about your research group? That's something that keeps you motivated and passionate about the work, something that really keeps the group uh, productive and uh, passionate about what you're doing in soft robotics. What's the exciting part of that? Oh, look, the exciting part for me is, uh, is, well, I think it's two things. First of all, I think we're working in a very important area. Uh, I think there's a real need for soft robotics to solve some important problems. So that's motivation in itself. When you uh, talk to people who have difficulty with say movement or or other physical problems, and you can see that they really would, their lives would be greatly improved if they had a glove or a prosthetic limb that allowed them to, to operate more freely, then you know for sure that our technology is going to be really important. So that, that's a great motivator. 
But I think the other, the other area of enjoyment is is just the unexpected. Yeah, you, mm. you, when you talk to students, you talk to other researchers and they have some results and they're scratching their head thinking, what is this? And you start to think about other ways of how the material or the system may be working. It can lead you into completely different directions. And, and that certainly happened in our case when we discovered uh, these twisting type torsional fiber artificial yeah. muscles that we totally didn't expect and it mm -hmm. took us down a really exciting new path and something that's now yielding benefits so you know i think we're pretty lucky to work in a in, in academia in research where these things can happen almost every day or every now and then and they can really get us uh, get us excited and motivated interesting mm -hmm. so you are at the Institute of Pfizer, which is what, at Pfizer. What, what are the B and the qualities you're looking for your student when you're like a future student? What are the most important qualities, faculties you're looking for? Yeah, the most important quality in a PhD student, I think, is persistence. It's, it's the ability to stick with the, mm. the difficult task. No PhD thesis is easy because all the easy stuff's already been done. So every project's difficult and, and it's going to have its challenges for sure. And, and that's why when you graduate with your doctorate, it's a real achievement. But it boy, it takes persistence to get there. You really have to stick with it through the tough times. And uh, I think those students who are patient and persistent and, and, and diligent are the ones who get there in the end. Mm -hmm. So when you were a PhD student, what were the best advice was given to you? You really remember and stick to your mind every day. Yeah, look, I think the probably the most important lesson I learned it was it was after I finished my PhD, uh, but it was the importance of um, of developing models for you know I'm an experimenter, so you know I like to go into the lab and collect data mm -hmm. and it's easy enough to publish the data but early on I was you know I was made aware of the importance that we you know not only do should we observe trends in the data but we should explain them with with real models physics-based models or numerical models what it might be and and there's a real power in having those those models so I I think that's most the most important lesson that I that stays with me that's a really interesting point, really, because I think modeling, especially artificial muscle, is challenging, and still, it's really, I think, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a great point to be highlighted. Mm, so, sure is. Yeah. So, for a starting PhD student, because you highlight that you start with chemistry and end up with mechanical and um, understanding and control, is there a starting PhD student wanted to or enter the robotics field? What advice you can give to him or her? Because maybe we're coming from different backgrounds and start of robotics and you could mm. feel apprehensive to start something totally new. So what advices you can give for be successful or just to, to dig in soft robotics area? Yeah, look, starting PhD student in soft robotics, well, I think there's, first of all, there's the advantage of working in soft robotics is that it's quite a diverse area. So it can accommodate 
students with different backgrounds. So chemistry people, materials, mechanical engineering, mechatronics, electrical engineering, um, even biologists have a role. So it's, it's, we do have an advantage that we can tailor a PhD project to the background interests of the students. So that I think helps reduce the barriers. Beyond that, it's like all PhDs, it's, it's really, uh, a, you know, it's a big issue. You're trying to get your head around a whole lot of information quickly and that can be daunting and, and, uh, and uh, a huge task. And, and so it comes back to what I said before about persistence and, and taking time to absorb uh, all the information and, and try and understand it. So it's, if, if a student came to me and was interested in doing a PhD in soft robotics, I'd try to explain that it's a, a, something that's going to take a lot of effort and time, but it's also tremendously rewarding because you've got the opportunity to develop a system that can be useful or a better understanding of, of uh, the sort of systems that will definitely be of interest to a lot of people. Okay, that's interesting. Thanks so much for your time and it ends with podcasting and on behalf of IEEE Soft Robot Committee, I would like to thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Oh, it was a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.